Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Compromise never occurs quickly. It starts with little things. I read this today and I liked it. It says this. You might want to write it down. Compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. Compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. When someone says the word addiction, our minds tend to go to specific things like alcohol or drugs. But the truth is we are all addicts to our own flesh. Without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will go down in this decaying ship. Our flesh is the reason there's no room for compromise when it comes to sin. When you give in a little to temptation, the door is open to it so much more. And before you know it, you've passed the point you never dreamed of. And we'll see today in Revelation, a church is in danger of moving away from the truth because of little bits of compromise seeping in. They'll receive a warning many of us need, too. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 12, for part one of our message entitled, The Danger of Compromise. story about a church that was looking everywhere to find a place to meet. They were a new church. It was actually a Calvary Chapel. They couldn't find any place but a, a bar during Sunday morning. So they went in and the owner said, yes, you can meet here, but the parrot stays. So when the pastor showed up that morning, the parrot said, ah, new manager. When the worship team came and started singing, the parrot said, Bach, new band. When the congregation started coming in, the parrot went, Bach, same old crowd. <laughs> ah. Thank the Lord for parrots. All right. <laughs> I love it. Same old crowd. All right. Verse 12. To the angel of the church of in Paragum, I'm going to use Paragos or Pergamos instead of Pergamum all night. Both are basically the same. I'll probably go back and forth so they're the same. These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. So this is the introduction of Jesus. It's a little different than the other churches we've already studied. This letter is addressed to the church at Pergamos. Now again, this was a very, very popular and prominent city in Asia. Located about 45 miles north. Remember, we're going around this circle now in Turkey. We're going around the circle of all of these cities. About 20 miles from the Aegean Sea. It was built on a thousand foot hill surrounded by a fertile plain. And it was the political capital of this Asia. Noted for culture and education in those days. 
Today it is called Bergama, Turkey. It was a very, very religious city. It had temples to Dionysus, Athene, Pyramiter, Zeus, and three special temples to the emperor cult. That we're going to talk about later. Fifty years before Smyrna won the honor of building the first temple to Tiberius, Pergamus won the right to build the first temple to worship Caesar Augustus. It had a special center for worship of Asclepius, which was the god of healing and knowledge. Now this god, interestingly enough, was represented by a serpent. And people from all over the world would come to this temple to be healed. And the way you had to be healed was that you had to sleep in that temple that night. Now you were not alone. For in that temple, there were snakes everywhere, non-poisonous, that would crawl throughout that temple during the night. Thousands of snakes while you were laying down, if you were lucky. <laughs> and one of these snakes crawled over you, you were thought to be healed. How many would have gone for that treatment? <laughs> it was here at Pergamos, very interesting. That parchment was first used for writing. Very first place. And the parchment is not kind of like you're thinking about today. The parchment was made with animal skins. So that was the very first place. This town was also known for its tremendous library. It had a nice parking lot like next door. No, it had 200,000 volumes. Can you imagine that? Now this isn't, you know, books that you go to a shelf. This is made out of animal skins. No computers, no pencils, no typewriters, 200,000 volumes. Credible book, credible books, credible volumes, incredible city. Very worldly, very ungodly. In this city, God had planted a church, the church of Pergamos. Look at 12 again. These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Now, there's three things you want to pay attention to tonight as we go through this teaching. I've seen it uproot stability in Christian homes. Let me give you an example. Somewhere, because we are such a mobile society, one spouse, or both, they come up with this idea that in the mountains, in the desert, in the valley, where it's drier, you name it, the big city, where there's lots of things. Whatever their dream is, they begin to dream of that place. And now there's nothing wrong with dreaming about the place as long as it doesn't make you ineffective where you dwell. Before we moved to Florida, I came, when I finished pharmacy school, we had to take our state boards. So I took state boards and came down here just right after I took the state boards in Michigan and took state boards here. Three days of, whew, whatever. And I took it because eventually I knew we'd probably move here. We'd been praying to do that. But it took time for us to come here. While we were coming, it was about three or four years. We stayed active in the church. We stayed functioning in our town. We were light in a dark place. When God finally opened the door, we came. Because we knew it was the will of God. But I've seen families many times dream about this 
paradise that they're going to move to, whether it's the mountains or North Carolina or the air desert or Colorado. I mean, you name it, whatever yours is. Nothing wrong with a dream, but be careful. God has to open the door for you. Because where you're at now, if you're a Christian, God has placed you. He says, I know where you're dwelling. Stay there. If I move you, fine. Otherwise, stay there. Now, what has happened to some of these couples who couldn't get it out of their mind and they moved to Mecca? I'll tell you what happened to two couples. Both of them moved to their respective places. They weren't bad places. Actually, they were very nice places. Within a short period of time, in both couples, I got news back that there had been affairs from the spouse in both. Almost lost everything where they were. Heavy counseling to get them back in the ways of God. Both couples ended up moving back to this area. Marriage is finally restored. But what disaster. Now, I'm not saying that every time that happens, that kind of thing is going to happen to you. But what happened? You see, they put their wishes ahead of God's wishes. They made the move. Instead of waiting for God, they did it. And what turned out they thought to be heaven was hell on earth. So you have to be careful tonight that nothing wrong with having a dream. Now, don't, you know, it's not like, oh, you just want everybody to stay in this town. Forget it. <laughs> not interested in that at all. When God moves you, you'll know it. And it will be a place, and he'll provide for you. And then when you get there, stay there. When God moves you, it's the right move. But be here. If you're here now, keep having your dreams, that's fine. But be here now. Be all here. Be here with your zeal. Be here with your teaching ability, your serving ability. Whatever you have, be here. Serve God here with everything you have. When he opens the door, come and tell us, and we'll say... God bless you. you. Got an extra room? We can come visit you on vacation or something like that? You're out of here. So Jesus says to these people in Pergamos, hang in there. I know it's a very tough area to live. But this is where I want you. You know, when we're on vacation, people usually stop. You know, you'll talk to people in a restaurant or whatever, and they'll say to you, you know, like, where do you live? Well, we live in Melbourne. Well, Melbourne, Melbourne, where? Well, it's kind of near the Space Center. Can you imagine? Where do we live in this day? Well, we live in the city of Satan. Nice place. One of the top hundred cities in Europe. It's the city of Satan. By the way, since Satan seemed to be using this place for himself as a center of worship, of course, demons were everywhere, where do you think he lives tonight? Be interesting, wouldn't it? What city would you pick where Satan's influence is most? I don't know. But I don't think I'd want to visit there unless God directly directs me there. Verse 13. In spite of where they're living... Yet you remain true to my name. So here comes the report card. We get a positive. They're faithful. They get an A in faithfulness. He says this, You remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So they're faithful in a pagan city, most of them remaining salt and light. They're having an influence in their town. They're speaking up when they need to speak up. I got an email this week from, and I called the, the individual and asked her if I could read it. She said, sure. I won't use her name or where she's at. She said this, I'm a nurse at a local hospital. 
And I had to attend a meeting with all the management. Our director opened the meeting with a joke that didn't go over well. I laughingly said, well, we needed a prayer instead. And unexpectedly, the director asked if I wanted to say a prayer. I looked around the room of my coworkers and bosses, most of who profess no faith at all of any kind, and I said, well, yes, I would like to say a prayer. So right there in this most intimidating area, I said a prayer for and with the people. I couldn't believe it, but these people joined in and we prayed together to better our departments at the hospital. It was an incredible experience. If asked, I would have said I was the last person in the world, or this is the last group of people that would have ever prayed with me. But this is the best part. I've had several of them now, since then, stop and approach me and tell me they love the prayer idea and to keep up the good work. And it has opened for me, in this department, some wonderful discussions about God. Right on. Right on. Faithful, being salt and light. Who is it? You don't need to know, but she's here in the hospital. Does the hospital need salt and light? Sure. Does your department need salt and light? Absolutely. Does your neighborhood need it? Absolutely. And that's what God says. So he says here, you're faithful in this pagan city. You're faithful. Most of you, notice why I say most, we'll get to that in a moment. But some of you are also faithful even among the real threat of being a martyr, killed for your stance. Now, we don't know anything else about this Anipus. Probably he was the first or the most notable martyr in this town. Tradition tells us that when he was taunted and made fun of, Antipas says this, when they said this to him, Antipas, the world is against you. To which he replied, Well, then tell the world that Antipas is against the world. After which he was burned to death in a bronze bull for the sake of Jesus Christ. Notice, we know nothing else about Antipas. God did. He remembered his name. He knows you. See, God's a God of individuals. Then Jesus, after giving this condemnation, he turns to areas that seem to need some improvement. We got one A, but there's going to be other things that are going to be more difficult. In verse 14, it says this, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Now, Jesus doesn't exaggerate, like sometimes we do. Well, there's just so many things against you. You're doing so poorly. He just says, I have a few things. Notice he doesn't say, I have one thing against you. So there's multiple things coming. We'll see specifically two tonight. So he says, you need to work on these few things. Little things that are wrong in our lives usually lead to big things that bring disaster. If your car tire is low and it stays that way, just a little low, you better get it fixed because someday you're going to be on the 95 with a problem. You see, let me give you three scriptures tonight and I'll just quote them to you for time's sake. You don't have to turn there. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says this. You'll love this one. A dead fly... As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Song of Solomon 2.15 says this, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. And 1 Corinthians 5.6 says this, Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? 
Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast. Compromise never occurs quickly. It starts with little things. I read this today and I liked it. It says this. You might want to write it down. Compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. Compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. The verbiage in the Greek there means this. People of Pergamos, those of you that are compromising in these little areas, you need to stop compromising now. It's a word of urgency. Why? Because that compromising continues to lead to a path of destruction. The little areas. What kind of little areas do we get in trouble with with compromise? How does infidelity start? It starts with the second look, which leads to a conversation, innocently, then to just a lunch at the office, then a full date, then a touch, then a kiss, and you know the rest. So it doesn't start, hi, how are you? Would you like to go to the motel this afternoon? <laughs> now, if you watch the soaps, it seems to start that way. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Some of you watch the soaps? <laughs> I don't, but somebody told me about them. <laughs> You see, we're deceived by sin. Now, let me share with you. You're not going to get a list of rules and regulations tonight like don't, 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 don't. I don't believe that. Now, if the Bible says it, we do. We give you that list. But we're, this isn't a church where you come and get this 48-page list of things you can't do and don't do. But if you find compromise in your life tonight, you have to deal with it because it doesn't stop there. God dealt with me in an area already this week in my own life. He'll deal with some of you, many of you, probably most of you tonight, as you go through it, because there's always those little areas that we could tweak and make better. Don't need to tell anybody else about them. Don't even have to turn there, because hopefully we're not doing those things. It's these other areas that we look and go, well, after tonight's teaching, that's probably not the best thing to be doing. Wise move. Because it just gets what? Worse. It heads down a wrong path. Now, verse 14, he explains what he means. He says this, you have people there. So remember, this is not the whole church. If we take this whole group here tonight, it isn't like the whole church, but there are pockets of people that are not behaving correctly. And the danger that he's going to speak is, these individual people in the church were compromising, we'll see in what, and the church was doing this. We don't want to see it. They weren't ignorant of it. They knew it was happening, but they didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to do anything with it. Just, it's all right. Just, just let them have their cake and eat it too. It's, it's all right for them. It's not good for me. It's all right for them. Just, just let them do it. God says, no, because it's diluting the light in the church. It's ruining the salt in the church. And you're going to have to deal with it. Now, Here's what he says in verse 14. You have people there who are holding to the teaching of Balaam. 
The word is doctrine. Who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrifice to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. So Jesus says that overall, the church is doing well in Pergamos. They're holding fast to the truth. Things are going pretty good. They're faithful, even to, to persecution, even to death. But some others in the church are compromising now and holding the teaching of Balaam. And later we'll see also the practice of the Nicolaitans. Now, notice, very interesting, I, one commentator mentioned this and I thought it was an incredibly important point. He says that before Jesus talks about what their pattern of behavior is that is incorrect, what does he address first? Their doctrine. You see, when we hear the word doctrine, most of us go, don't, doctrine, I don't want to hear about doctrine. Doctrine is just simply teaching. And remember in the book of Acts, they, were, they continued in the apostles' what? Doctrine. So it's important for you and I, you see, what we think, we then act. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the problem you're having in our world with all the compromising churches, and I don't even have time to just address those, but look at your Saturday paper. Look, look at the topics of things in there. I mean, incredibly compromising churches. I wouldn't even call many of them even a church anymore. How did it happen? It didn't happen with practice starting. It happened with wrong doctrine being taught. They moved away from the truth of the Word of God. They moved away from the standard. They have their own standard now. And then comes crazy behavior. So he says here, you are holding to the teaching of Balaam. That's why Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Be in season. Be prepared in season, not of a season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience. Careful instruction for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Would you want a pastor who compromises the Word of God as he teaches you? Would you like a pilot in his checkoff list before he takes off? You already know, wouldn't you? Would you like the car mechanic that's working on your engine just to compromise a little bit? How about the surgeon you go to is known in town as the great compromiser? <laughs> Probably on some of our plans. Would you like to go there? I don't think so. So you certainly don't want that. Our goal is certainly not to get people to this church. Our goal is to get people to any church that teaches all the Word of God. If you're here tonight and your church doesn't teach the Word of God, you pray about finding one that does. Because you're going to go down a road that you don't want to go down. And don't misunderstand me. It, this is not the only church in town that teaches the Word of God. Praise God. Plenty of wonderful churches. If you want to know some of them, just come to me. I'll tell you. I know plenty of great churches around. We're not after this church. You're a long way away. You say there's no Calvary Chapel in my town. Well, big deal. I mean, like before the 70s, did God go out of business? I mean, Calvary Chapel started in the 70s. Well, I guess you can't find any place. There's no Calvary Chapel. Come on, get real. If the place teaches the Word of God, get there. Get under the sound of the Word of God. In today's message, Pastor Mark mentioned how the church at Pergamum had been successful. They had remained faithful to the truth. Even through persecution, they persevered. But they were also in danger of letting little areas of compromise blossom into sin, allowing people with wrong ideas remain among the fellowship. As we heard, sound doctrine is vitally important. 
There must be correct teaching of the Word. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now. The next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll hear more about the doctrines that the church at Pergamum were warned about, the teaching of Balaam. The compromise of God's word will only lead to the downfall of the church. They're warned to take it seriously. We'll also hear about the doctrines of the Nicolaitans and how this soft doctrine is still upheld within many churches today. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.